Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome, Welcome to, to our, our show. Oh. We're here for you, don't you know? Oh, that's nice. We'd like to put on a show. show. Let's see how we go. go. We huh? love you, don't you know? Oh. <sighs> <laughs> I was trying to think of something else and it went naughty in my head, so oh, okay. I stopped it. I stopped All right. it. All right. Hi, welcome to Chickstry. This is the podcast about chicks in history. I'm Annie. That's Evie. That's the admin. Let's get into it. Anywho, welcome. Anywho, we're here. It's a beautiful day. Aren't we lucky? It's been beautiful weather here in downtown Melbourne while the rest of the country, some of the other parts of the country are drowning. Not doing so well. So over 100 people were still missing. I didn't know that until last night. Really? Mm. Yeah, missing. Oh, so, God. I don't I know why that's know. not being reported on more. Maybe the government doesn't want it to be reported on because they're doing such a lacklustre job at um, helping out. Yeah. That maybe oh, if awful. more people knew how many people were missing, uh, 20 people are dead, and if more people knew how many people were missing, yeah. maybe they would have to do more and there would be more, even well, more. Just- Fucking do more anyway. Well, that's it. I was going to say even more um, pressure than we're already putting on them. Yeah. You know, maybe then the people who um, are kind of saying they're doing all they can. Like actually I had a DM the other day of oh, a, guy, really? a woman. She said to me, yeah, I know. God, stop ramming your political beliefs down my throat. Like he's done an amazing job through the bushfires, the pandemic, and now the floods. And I'm like. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Show me the receipts, Karen. My goodness. Like, that's blind following. Yeah, because it's untrue. It seems he can't do anything wrong for some people. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I just saw Peggy go in the background. She just stealthed behind you. And yeah, I'm not well, talking about taking a condom off in the middle of sex without consent. Oh, God. Oh, she comes, yeah, we've just come back from the park. They're all having a little lie down. Well, she's not. She's walking around. Well, she's just having a lie down now. There she good goes. Good girl. There what she a good girl goes. She is. After good she's girl. bullied a, a King Charles Cavalier. I know. She's going through this phase of being a little bully, a little upstart. Well, just, they do go through those stages of mm. they go for the weaker it's it's a dog. It's animals. Yeah, you know, she mm. she smells the weakness, the passivity of a dog, and she's like, yeah, because she can't do that with Pete. She can't do that with others. Yes. So yeah. that, that's mm. the whole hierarchy thing, learning, and then mm. she comes across a dog that goes, oh no, you don't, bitch. She screams, just like the dog screams after she's doing. It. It's know. a very normal behaviour that yeah. you know you work it out. 
work it out. I just can't stop singing today. And work it out. Doom, 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 doom. Work oh, it remember out. Aerobics. Mm-hmm. Remember going to jazzercise? Yeah. Love jazzercise. I remember going to um, aerobics when um, my friend Ashley, she used to do two aerobics classes in a row. Oh, God. And she had a major eating disorder, as Mm. you can imagine. Mm. I remember she got a massive boil under her armpit. And that was enough for me. I was like, no, I don't think from aerobics? (laughs) Yeah, well, just, yeah. Sweating and having a blocked hair follicle, probably. Mm. And, you know. This is how these things happen. We shave as women. We Don't do. even get me started on that. Um, you know, we shave, we put um, aluminium on our open um, hair follicle things and then we exercise ourselves to an early grave and then we get boils. So <laughs> not for me. Um, I've been going to bed lately, sleeping, waking up at three in the morning. Again, oh, yeah. I go through these phases. Yeah, yep. It's so frustrating. Yeah, I used to. I was just thinking the other night. I haven't done that for a long time, but I went through a phase as well. Oh, it's exactly an awful phase, and mm. I can't. I'm, I'm doing a lot of arguing, arguing with straight white men, arguing uh, with yeah. um, internalized mis- mis- misogynistic women, and it, yes, you know, um, arguing with doctors. <laughs> like it's all in my going on, and I've got to um, get my meditation back yeah. in in my forefront of my lobe, frontal lobe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm just staying awake for hours and ha- finding I need um, a Valium, half a Valium to get myself back to sleep. You can't do that. No, you don't want to get into that habit. No. Have you tried? Um, I used to put on a, um, is there a podcast that uh, bedtime stories? Oh, no, I'd just get it right into it. I would get right into that and start arguing with them in my head. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's, oh. a really, there's a really good one. It's like talks about just stories, like the origins of things and, and it, the guy's voice is very Ooh. soothing. Yeah, that would be good. Do you know listen. what I think should be made? And I've looked for this because it's really good for children. Um, compilation video of animals yawning. Oh God! Yeah, I found it once, and I can't Who find it again. Say that, but as soon as I show kids just oh. animals falling asleep, getting all snuggly, and you know, like doing that pouring thing that puppies yeah. do, and yep. then they start to snuggle. And but it's not just puppies; you can get like uh, wild animals and lions, mm-hmm. and you know, just everyone. And oh, Pete <laughs> in the corner, look at him. Oh, Pete, love you, mate, Bye. mate. Um, that it really makes you sleepy. Yeah, that's a that's a really good so idea. I reckon something like that, like done properly. Yeah. Um, in t- in in different increments, like for different, I guess, brains would be a really good thing mm. to come up with. I can you Don't steal something? my idea, anyone. Mm. So, what have you been watching? Um. Well, I finished. Somebody somewhere last night oh. and bawled my eyes out. What did you think of just the song? beautiful, just beautiful? What about Joel <laughs> Frederico? Fred, I know it just it's all just, just beautiful. The father, I love it. The mother, oh, it's left it open. The mother, the mo- yeah, yes, I know. And the I know. reality of that, uh, yep, yep, that that awful, killed me, awful, it killed me. 
it just it's just beautiful. It's and so, if, so beautiful. If you haven't watched it, watch it. We talked about it last week. Just but Joel, it's so the best friend. Oh God, it's good. It's good. That's about. That's kind of it. And then like, um, uh, yeah. And I've been watching sixty minutes. Just oh, yeah. episodes of 60 Minutes randomly. Such a shit show. Like, honestly, oh, that used look. to be the show for real investigative journalism and now mm. it is such a shit show. Well, I like on, on YouTube, if you go to the, their YouTube channel, you can choose what you want to watch. Yeah, so you don't have to, is. like, just put up with what they're putting on the episode. So I just choose the interesting stories. Mm. And I watched a, uh, watched a story last night about a, um, a guy – a guy and his girlfriend got there was a home invasion and they he, the guy who came into the house had a gun and they chased him out of the house and the guy got bashed across the head and got knocked out and the um, perpetrator ran away with her bag and the girl chased after him for some reason and in the middle of the street and the um, perpetrator was had a gun and he's pointing the gun at her and then her boyfriend comes to runs to her aid with a samurai sword. Oh, this happened just around the corner from my house, and, and I remember the guy. Yeah. yeah, one of them was a drug dealer. Yeah, the girl. Well, she she was buying pot and then giving it to her friends. And in the interview, she was like, "I didn't really think of myself as a drug dealer. I just used to oh. buy a lot and give, you know, and then just give it to my friends." Yeah, and so she's like, "I didn't ever think I was a drug dealer, but um, and it's all very questionable." They went on the run for three days afterwards. Yeah, they did. I remember it happening in real time, like because it was cordoned right. off where yeah. I used to take the dogs to the park in Hereford Street in Glee. Mm-hmm. So I remember it really, really well. And there was a samurai mm. sword because yeah. they, all of those houses were uh, government houses and they were really nice, nicely done, like only made, I think, in the 80s. And they all had backyards. They were all kind of upstairs, downstairs um, townhouses with these little backyards, little courtyards that went onto the dog park. Um, trails so we could walk along there so yeah there was um, and they were missing like and everyone at the dog park knew because it's all the locals like Mm. they'd they'd seen heard it in the street they come out and it was um, full on like full on and Mm. what happened with the guy who they has gone to court now yeah I think he went to jail for three years I think he got three years wasn't he the guy who died was a DJ. Right. I knew yeah. someone was a DJ. He was a rapper, actually. A rapper. Yeah. That's it. And he was an actor as well. Oh, no, the guy that had the samurai was an actor. Like an he'd actor, been on yes. Home and Away or something like. And part of his like run, like because they just ran and they, you know, obviously they get their own 60 minutes being questioned because there's a lot of questions around their behaviour and like why mm-hmm. did she chase after the guy because he yeah. had her handbag and then why did they go on the run and they packed a bag with num- nunchuckers yeah, and that's right. $20,000. And so Tara Brown's, going, Tara Brown's going, why Why did you pack a bag like that? And he said, well, I'm an actor. So it was kind of like a prop bag that I had lying around. And it was all just very yeah. fishy. Uh, do you have 20 grand lying around? I don't. Me no, neither. Not in cash. <laughs> not in cash. Like that is dodgy as fuck. 
It is. Mm. It, it is. So anyway, it's it's there was yeah, there's lots of things that were questionable, but mm. it was entertaining. I liked it. So I'm just wow. been doing that. Turned into my mother and my father, just watching some <laughs> some nice current affairs and factual <gasps> um, documentaries while I sit and have my whiskey at night. Thank you for coming. It. It's lovely. I love the current. I'll be on on Tracy freaking Grimshaw next. Oh, start watching all those Brady Hall. Oh, and I did start watching this awesome show called Moving to the Country because I am thinking about moving to the country. Moving to the country. And that's their song. Eat a lot of peaches. Moving to the country. Gonna eat me a lot of peaches. Yeah, we just did that. Come on. Moving to the country. (laughs) Uh, I'm not getting involved. (laughs) I get involved and then you stop and then it makes me look stupid. No, you never will. (laughs) So, yeah, you're moving to the country. Yeah, thinking about it. Uh, well, waiting. you have applied for a place. Yeah, I'm so waiting more for more than house. thinking about it. If it happens, it happens. I'm just waiting for the universe to decide now. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, it's a really good show. It just And it talks about people who have, you know, Is just. It Australian? Yep, it's Australian. And, the, you know, people who have just left the city and decided to go and start something that they know nothing about. This one woman who was in marketing, you know, and she was worked on Wall Street in New York and then she just was like, I'm over this and <sighs> bought a sheep farm and now makes lamb bacon. Yeah, that's sad. It is sad. Oh, lamb's bacon. She makes lamb bacon. But, but you know what? It's pretty. It's good because it because she's that. Well, no, look, it's hard. No, it's hard because they talk no, about the ethical no. treatment of, you know, using Babies. all of the all of the all of the <laughs> yeah, carcass. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're I'm into using that. the um, I'm into that the let, stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I'm into all of that, but pl- can we just please let animals live? Yeah, I at know. least a year. I know you don't. You're not a lamb fan, and that's. I get it, and there's probably lots of people listening who aren't. So there's a okay. So there's a mum and she, and her two kids have come to join her in Tasmania. They are making sheep's cheese, yeah. mm-hmm. sheep's cheese, sheep which cheese. is very uncommon in Australia, considering the amount of sheep we ha- we have. Yeah. So they make sheep's cheese, and then with the whey that comes from the yeah. You know, when you make cheese, you know, the whey. Curds eating and whey. Curds and whey. Um, you always do it, don't you? Yeah, well, you I, have to. We all do. Yeah. You hear the word whey and just go curds, curds and whey. And whey. Um, the guy's making, the son has realised he can make vodka from the whey. What? Yeah. So they make, so there's nothing goes to waste because they put yeah. the, all the whey gets used for the um, for this vodka. So, yeah, and so it's just interesting, these people who have decided to, you know, Move to the yeah. country and become entrepreneurs in their own right. You know, well, start businesses. They're doing that very well because well. I'd move to the country and try something like that and fail miserably. I just know it. I know. But you're not moving to the country and trying something new. You are just moving to the country and still doing the same job. Well, this is correct, but you never know. For the time being, yeah, For you never know. For the time being, you know, God, but who knows? I might become an apiarist, apirarist. A what's bee, that? A, bee, a beekeeper. Oh, a, a parari, a parari. And that's another day of saving the bees. Oh, I love that lady. I love, I love her, her voice. She always finds the queen, puts there her in a clip, put, put her in the hive, hive and the others will just find their way. Them. I'll smoke them out a little bit, 
to make them lead their way. And that's just another, another day, day of saving the, the bees. bees. If you don't know who we're talking about, we could have done her as a chick in the now. Texas bee lady, Texas bee something. Just look mm. her up on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Brilliant. Um, Sissy ate a bee once and me and Angie just stared at her waiting, waiting, waiting. Nothing. Nothing. It's no. like that bitch's guts are like steel. Would have been like a mozzie going into one of those. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah. We were on a weekend away at a, a house in Berrima. <laughs> that reminds me, that's when we first started our podcast before we did Chickstree and we were just kind of doing history and, you know, we'd talk about old historic things, yes. and, you know, and I was there alone and we were using an app called Anchor. Yes. And I was drinking wine and I was drinking so much wine I needed to go to the toilet. So I went in and I put it on, I put it on mute and pissed like a race and it didn't work. And I was That's right. I just hear you go, are you going to the toilet? I've never heard you with more disgust in your voice because I was pushing it out as quickly as possible while you were talking. I thought if I do this while she's talking and it's on she mute, she won't hear and I'll be able to come straight back in. Oh, so I was pushing so it. Gosh, yes. <laughs> it was good. What was the birth of this podcast? It was. It was. And here we are four seasons later. Yeah, no, no pissing. <laughs> and no, no one's gone to the toilet live yet. 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 We do record and look at each other. So, we um, do. you know, a lot of people know that because I'm always going, oh, look, there's Peggy in the background. <laughs> or you're looking at sis in the background snoring her head off. Yeah. So people do know that. So we've come a long way since when I thought, I mean, that's a really rude thing that that app did it? I pressed mute, and it said it was muted. Let's blame the app, shall we? The, well, the app's rude. It is rude. Isn't going to the toilet while you're supposed to be professionally making a podcast rude? No. Okay. That's Mother Nature, <laughs> <laughs> or is that just nature? I don't think it's Mother Nature. Mother Nature. Nature Nature. calling and you can't hold that shit in, literally. Anyway, Chicken the Now, Chicken the Now. We haven't done a song, Chicken the Now, Chicken the Now, Chicken the Now. Hey, you chicken me now. I'll go back to an old one. Yeah. You chick me chick with all our chicks in the now. Anyway, I got a wonderful woman. She's on Instagram as biologist.ellie. Okay. And I I really like her. She followed me. I think I followed her and then we just started chatting and she's just a great, mm. great chick. She's in Sydney. I think she's in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in a scientist and an environmentalist. We love women in STEM. And she also has a side project called The Fairy Pantry where she um, will show you how to eat vegan plant-based um, food, which is has evidence-based sustainability advocacy comms, oh, which I really like. Um, if, you know, someone's going to tell me to eat, like give me some evidence. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. 
But her um, Instagram is great because she's all over everything. You know, whatever's happening, Ukraine, littering, the koalas, uh, climate change, she's she's on to it mm. and she shares the good stuff and I really like her. Um, at the moment she is just sharing this thing about a th- something that was found in Marrickville in Sydney this week after mm. all the rains. Yeah. Um, so if you all go over to biologist, biologist.le, E-L-L-I-E. I'm doing it now. And you, you can look at her story but or just click on one of her highlights, the first one called Mystery Blob. Yeah, all right, Mystery Blob. That was found on the road in Marrickville after the heavy, heavy rains. It's a blob of some sort and it looks like a prehistoric embryo of a, an elephant or something like that. Holy bajoli. So what she put it up on um, She put it up on Twitter. It's got a trunk. It's got a trunk. And she put it up and people wow. started saying um, – like, oh, I think it's this, I think it's that. So it's in the Science Times now. Unfortunately, no, I won't get to that bit yet. Hang on. What I need to tell you first is there's a um, Science Times have done an article. A guy called Harry Hayes was the one who found it and he videoed it and he's, he poked it with a stick to see if it was alive yeah. and moving. Yeah. Um, but he posted the video. Lad Bible have gotten onto it um, and then all these – biologists and scientists have started weighing in um, and everyone's kind of all saying different things from saying it's a sea elephant to a babel fish, cuttlefish, um, but they've all been debunked. Um, even biologists who saw the picture were left stumped by this odd-looking creature. One of them was her and um, she initially thought it was a possum or a glider embryo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looks a bit – because that could be a tail almost. Yeah, but none of her peers agreed. Okay. Um, someone else suggested that it was a germinating seed. But uh-huh. She contradicted that as the sack is too transparent. Um, so then it's really hilarious because um, the creature remains unidentified still to this day. Even academics from University of Sydney and University of New South Wales – could not identify it. On the other oh, hand, wow. it is scientifically possible for animal rain to happen wherein some small animals get swept by water spouts or updrafts. Uh, according to National Geographic, this weather phenomenon is most associated with water spouts from, um, that form as storm clouds and swirl in big bodies of water. Um, animals like birds, fish, bats, frogs, jellies, even snakes have been you know, you, they rain animals. Like it, it, it does like happen. Literally raining cats and dogs. Yeah, yeah. Well, but anyway, I've um, I just messaged her and said I'm obsessed. I yeah. said, um, still no one knows. Um, where is it now? Uh, is it being studied? I'm obsessed. <laughs> and she goes, two universities couldn't figure it out. Ha ha. Unfortunately, the guy left it where it was. So no. the mystery remains unsolved. She goes, it's totally no. an alien. A lot of people on Twitter are saying it's it's the world we're living in now. It's it's the it's the latest thing. We've got pandemic, World War Three, aliens. 
and I kind of agree. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? This is the world we're in now where it does not surprise me. Anyway, Ellie is such a lovely young woman and she is making the change that, you know, you yell at young children about doing. She's doing it. She leads that shit and um, she's extremely lovely and positive and funny. So go give her a follow. You won't regret it. Oh, yay, Ellie. Why didn't the guy just pick it up and put it in a fucking... Oh, because he was a puss bag. <laughs> Clearly. He was he was poking it with a stick. I know. Like, you just pick it up. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Or just put it in a... bagel. Could you not put it in your bagel bag? <laughs> Take it somewhere. Like, wouldn't, yeah. you, wouldn't you get it? Oh, wouldn't God, you get you it? Yeah. Not leave it there. No. Bird's eating it now. Yeah. God. I got a story for you today. And it involves quite a number of women, not just one. You know, on Monday, it's Labor Day. Yeah. Do you what know is Labor Day? <laughs> what is Labor Day, Annette? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Evie Jones. So Labor Day, okay, it comes from the labor union movement back when they were trying to campaign for an eight-hour day, the eight-hour day movement. So when working, especially for workers, blue-collar workers, they would say eight hours of work, eight hours of play and eight hours of sleep. Rest, yeah. Well, that's what Mars Bar says as well. Yeah, well, this is true. Um, so it was where originally it came from, Mars Bar. <laughs> <laughs> Mars a day helps you work, rest and play. Um, it was Victorian stonemasons who staged a well-organised uh, protest and from there it was then known as Labor Day. But you know how we have Moomba as well? So, yeah, you know, that's this weekend. Yeah, so that is actually one of the legacies from the eight-hour day protest. So instead of marching now, they do this Moomba Festival. So, um, oh, And it was wow. declared a public holiday in Victoria in 1979 and for decades the eight-hour day marches were the largest public celebrations that Victoria saw, uh, attracting tens and thousands of people. So that's mm. just a little bit of trivia and I thought – I, re- I realised that after I decided on my story because if we talk about labour labour union in this story and mm-hmm. workers' rights and union workers. But the story that I'm going to tell you about today uh, is set in Wollongong. Okay. So Wollongong in the 1980s. The gong. The gong, otherwise known as the gong. Uh, and for those who are not uh, Australian listeners, Wollongong's about 85 kilometres south of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I actually spent a lot of time in Wollongong. I used to do ballroom dancing and oh, I used to travel to Wollongong yeah. twice a week for my lessons. Was it far from Blacktown? Like, yeah, it took over an hour. It was an hour and about an hour and a half to drive there. To do your lessons there? To do my lessons there because the, the, that's where the good teachers were. And my oh, partner right. at the time lived in Camden. So um, oh. we, I got the raw end of the stick. But anyway, so dad would did. drive me to dancing lessons twice a week. Another little tidbit is that um, Sonia Kruger used to be my teacher. Yes, this is very true. At the Wollongong she just, Academy. She still talks about you to this day. The Reeves, the Reeves Ballroom Dance Academy, for anyone who is listening and knows Reeves. that. Okay, so yeah. Wollongong in the 80s 
had a large population of migrants and they a lot of them came from post-war Europe because mm. Wollongong and also Newcastle were the kind of promised lands for industrial jobs. And during the economic boom of the 60s and 70s, lots of migrants flocked there to yeah. work at the steelworks. So oh, yeah. many would arrive from their home countries expecting to get jobs at BHP. So BHP was the largest company in Australia at the time, known as the Big Australian, and the steelworks uh, in Port Kembla and in Newcastle, Newcastle. Um, were massive. So these yep. places basically, you know, hired thousands and thousands of workers and a lot of them were men mm. and a lot of them were um, immigrants as well. So women at the time in Wollongong, so back in, you know, in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, couldn't really find work in Wollongong. So a lot of the women used to have to go to Sydney on a bus to, mm -hmm. to get work. And the most popular work for women at that time was clothing factories. And Bonds was actually mm. a massive employer of uh, women. Mm. And it was kind of the upper end of the, of the scale. If you got a job at Bonds, you were, it was a pretty good job. So oh. the bus would come and pick them up at 5 a.m., in the morning yeah. from Wollongong. They'd go and work all day. Um, the buses apparently were shit. They were old. There were holes in the roof. And when it rained, they used to have to sit um, with their umbrellas up on the bus because the water would come in the roof. And they wouldn't get home till about 7 o'clock at night. It's a massive, long day for these women. It's a wonder that any children were ever raised. I know. I know. Times. But that's what made it so important for grandparents and, you know, it, places like Europe and Asia are still like that, like where the mother goes off to work and the mm. children are raised by the grandparents. Yeah. England, um, Australia and the US, we're three countries that really do not do that. Yeah. You know, we don't have our parents living with us or being exactly. close to us. Now, the women didn't get work lo locally, uh, not through lack of trying. So during the 80s, BHP, you know, like I said, had employed about 20,000 people, and women were routinely told there were no jobs for them. So uh, women would apply and they were placed on a list and they were told there are, there are two, there's two lists. There's a list for men and a list mm -hmm. for women. And the men normally stayed on the list for a week, a couple of weeks, and would always get a job. Mm -hmm. And the women, some of the women had been on the list for over five years. Oh, my God. And were just told... Nada. And and the, the funny thing is that a lot of these women had come from countries where they were skilled in these areas. They'd worked mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. like factories. So they yeah. thought they're going to just come over and be able to get a job straight away. And also, you know, back in the, um, you know, after World War II, like we've told before on the podcast, a lot of women were called on to work in factories yeah. and to do the work of men because all the men went off to war. Kept so, the world going. So, yeah, so the women the women had done these jobs before. So there was no good reason why they weren't getting these jobs or, you know, why they shouldn't have to, why they should have to wait years in order to get these jobs. So the men of BHP. Were the jobs going to only other men? I Correct. mean, other men, or were they going to women who weren't migrants as well? Like they were, were only or, going to men. Okay. And the yep. occasional job that went to a woman were yeah. jobs where they could work in the canteen. 
Right. So they just weren't giving the women positions that they could fill. They were just filling them with the important people, men. Correct. Exactly. Sounds about right. So there's a handful of women who really stand out in this story and their names are Robin Murphy, Luann Barker, Diana Koval and Louise Casson. So they were sort of the four women at the forefront of this kind of like not on my watch, motherfucker. (laughs) So they go to the working women's charter meeting and they raise it at this working women's charter meeting. And this this working women's charter group came out of women's liberation movement. They realised discrimination was a systemic thing and these were strong unionist women who you didn't want to fuck with these guys. Like they they had like slogans like the best man for a job is a woman, oh. um, you know, women's a woman's place is everywhere. So they right. kind of were really on this sort of, you know, trying to get women into the workforce. Yep. So, you know, and and also we've just come from the 1970s in Australia, which was, you know, Australia was hugely sexist. Women needed a man for a loan. No women were allowed in public bars and Mm -hmm. a woman would earn 70% of a man's wage. So in 1977, Neville Rann, who was the Prime Minister at the time, set up the Anti-Discrimination Act. And this act was supposed to protect women in circumstances like this. So Mm -hmm. these four women were like, well, clearly that's not working because we can't get jobs. We are being totally discriminated against because of our sex. And there was a clause in the Discrimination Act that said if a woman's required to lift more than 16 kilograms, then they can't do the job. So that was the loophole that a lot of factories got around and they said, well, she's going to be asked to lift more than 16 kilograms. So yeah, mind 16. you, one. guess how much a four-year-old weighs? Oh, about 20 kilo. Yeah. Yeah, so they were just going, well, that's just shit and stupid because, you know, yeah. we lift our children all the time. Constantly. And that is just that is just a loophole. And and there was also a massive thing going on in Wollongong at the time around, well, everywhere probably in the 80s, about um, women who did actually get local jobs were underpaid, the conditions right. were really bad, um, and there was a lot of sexual harassment yeah. and there was a local. There was a case of a local guy who worked in a local chicken shop. Um, he'd reportedly abused forty-one women, and so this kind of spurred on a seminar for the women to kind of get together and say, "Look, this is shit. The conditions are shit. Why don't we have any jobs?" In nineteen eighty, the unemployment rate. Women made up two thirds of unemployment. And so they just had basically had enough. So these four women decided to lobby against, there still works, to lobby against BHP. And BHP basically said to them, we we don't have time to hear your dispute. We have internal disputes going on. They constantly, you know, the union and all that sort of constantly disputes going on. So the women kind of took that as like, well, that's never going to happen. So they went to Sydney and they lodged formal complaints um, against the Anti-Discrimination Board. They got a bunch of forms to fill out to bring back to Wollongong with them and basically decided to hand them out. So the only way they could see... BHP taking notice of them was to go onto the front gate of BHP where the employment office is and they set up their own tent embassy and one of the women had seen 
Aboriginal people doing this in yeah. um, at Parliament House. So oh, they were Parliament like, House. well, let's yeah. go and do the same thing. And so I'll also mention, because you did say something about the migrant women, that was also mm-hmm. a really uh, massive problem as well. There was an anti-migrant, there was definitely anti-migrant racism. It was endemic mm-hmm. at BHP. Mm-hmm. And there's a footage from a protest outside the annual general meeting in which a BHP shareholder tells a news camera, all these people have got the same type of face, they're foreign, and I'm sure if you went in among them, half of them wouldn't know how to speak English. Stone him to death. So so these women set up their campaign and the Jobs for Women campaign was born. Outside of the steelworks, they set up their temp embassy, they started hanging out leaflets. They had the leaflets translated into seven different languages Mm -hmm. and they were handing them out to all of these, you know, migrant women who would Mm -hmm. come. And these migrant women had fucking balls. They were like, Mm -hmm. right, they're from, you know, the Soviet countries. They're, you know, from from Ukraine, Yugoslavia, um, Russia, you know, they're all just like, Hard, hard working women, women. strong as fuck. Exactly, exactly. So they could they could carry a cow. They could bloody carry a cow if they needed to. So in 1980, 34 women lodged complaints with the New South Wales Anti Discrimination Board under the new Anti Discrimination Act. The company had relied upon one of the exemptions, like I said before, with the um, limitation of the 16. A kilogram, which was yep. Section 65 of the Factories, Shops and Industries Act. So they were basically going in to say that the law that was set didn't cover, it wasn't cover, wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And this was the first test case for this law. So the very first case that went up against the Anti-Discrimination Act. So no one really knew uh, how the legislation that was set would be used. So the case and the whole campaign was the first of its kind and it was a real breakthrough yeah. for other um, for other anti-discrimination acts yeah. to follow. Mm-hmm. So the result of uh, investigations by the New South Wales Anti-Discrimination Board and hearings before the Equal Opportunity Tribunal, 300 women were hired um, by BHP to wow. work as iron workers. Wow. So they were hired alongside their male colleagues and although there were instances of sexual harassment, a lot of the men and a lot of the men thought they were, you know, the feminists, they were feminists and angry feminists. Um, mm-hmm. But despite this, the steelworkers, the male steelworkers recognised their common interest um, with the women because of their strong tradition of unionism. So mm. they all kind of basically rallied together and became, they kind of became um, unified. And so, yeah, while they were at work, especially Robin tells the story of her first day at work in 1981, she said that everyone was coming up to her saying, oh, you're one of the women, you beat the company. Yeah. Um, and it was in a few weeks she was asked to be a delegate for the union. So, Because oh, I was thinking that it might go, like I wondered how they were treated in there. No, well, they, but I mean, they, they were, there were a lot of pranks played on them. They were told yeah. they were tested a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they um, had each other. But they had each other. And they. Um, one of the women talks about how, you know, they'd sit at lunchtime in the lunch hall and she said the smells of the food mm. of, you know, like mm. try this and have a bit of yeah. this. And she's like, oh, we were we were sitting there all having lunch and someone would go, 
try my try this Coca-Cola and they'd pass the this cup down and it was someone's red wine that they'd made at home, oh, like homemade yeah, yeah. red wine. And oh, God, she said just so the good. amazing, you know, multiculturalism of them yeah. sitting in this workroom together was incredible. So soon after there was a bit of a there was a, a recession and BHP started laying off a lot of workers. So uh, women the women who'd been hired were pretty much retrenched straight away under oh, the last in first yeah. out rule yeah. where the newest yeah. hires are the first to lose their jobs. Yeah. So the in response to this, the Jobs for Women campaigners took their case again to the Equal Opportunity Commission. This yep. became a historic test of anti-discrimination legislation, legislation spanning many years and multiple appeals. It's about 14 years in total oh, that they God. went and fought for this. And the men actually supported them as well. And there's a quote here from one of the union members who says, there's only one form of membership in the union and has nothing to do with it, whether you're married, single, male, female, black or white or whatever. So they actually organised a rally. The whole union organised a rally. They went to Parliament House. They actually stormed Parliament House. They broke through the front doors. The women also were refused any legal aid services because none of them owned houses mm -hmm. or, or, sorry, their husbands whose salaries placed them above the income um, oh, yeah. threshold. So in response to this, the women decided to run a 16-month campaign demanding access to legal aid. So they're now make, doing another campaign to campaign for what they're trying to campaign for in the first place. So once again, uh, a strong spirit of collective, collectivism, collectivism, yep, collectivism, yep, was the Jobs for Women's campaign's greatest source of power. So in 1985, the courts ruled that BHP uh, had discriminated against the women and were ordered to pay one million dollars settlement. So despite BHP's requirement to pay the settlement, they delayed the payments and. The Jobs for Women campaign decided to protest again for their mm. money because mm. they wouldn't pay. They they eventually got their money and the money was paid out. The women was were asking for compensation, and this is kind of the breakdown of the of the case, which I think is fascinating. They said we asked for compensation for discrimination as we had not been treated the same as men would have been in similar circumstances when we had applied for a job at the Steelworks. The compensation was primarily for loss of wages and it was to be based on individual circumstances. We lost wages during the time we were waiting on the list at the Steelworks, so before they got their jobs. Um, and up until the time when we actually got work, which was regarded as a case for direct discrimination, wages mm. were also lost when we were retrenched earlier than we would have been if we had been men. This was because the initial discrimination had left us with a lower seniority than we might have had otherwise. This was regarded as indirect discrimination. In addition, we asked for seniority backdated to the time when we applied for our jobs rather than when we were hired. Many of the women had been on the waiting list for years, whereas men mm. could expect to get hired within a week of applying. Mm. We won on all these accounts. Wow. So after that, a further 700 women won mm. an out-of-court settlement for compensation, which costs BHP an estimated $9 million. So not only did this allow for anti-discriminatory hiring adjustments at all of the BHP factories, it also asked for a rework of the laws that mm. allowed for the reworking of the Section 65 
clause about the 16 uh, kilograms thingamajiggy. Mm. Yeah. The former Sex Discrimination Commissioner, Sue Walpole, described the case as the most important piece of discrimination litigation that has ever occurred in this country. The campaign and several court cases took 14 years, making it the longest running sex discrimination claim in Australia. Well, that's amazing because we don't know about that, do we? No. And there is a documentary on the ABC right now called Women of Steel, which is where I got this this idea from and watch the doco because it basically will show you all of that stuff. The women in the documentary are incredible. They are exactly as you would imagine, like just hard working, you know, salt of the earth women who just, you know, wanted to work. They just wanted to do the jobs that men did. God, let them. Let them. There's plenty of people who don't. Yeah, and when you need them, it's okay. Yeah. When you What's need them to come Women and of work. Steel? Is it Women of Steel? Women of Steel. So it's on the ABC. You can watch it on, um, on demand on iView. But um, um, it's incredible. So the, the documentary is made by Robin Murphy. So she's one of the lead women in the campaign and um, it interviews the other women as well who are all involved. And, you know, just some of the, some of the, the women – you know they're sitting there. They're in their garages. They've got the they've got a, a box of you know fruity Lexia behind them, a cask of wine. You know you just you just imagine these women. You know like plastic tablecloths, and they're just there. You know going. You know they they told us we couldn't do the work of men, and you know we showed them. You know we we all look what you can do. How many if you times just... do we have to show them though? It's well, like we showed them in World again, War One. We again. showed them in World War Two. That's just that century. Yeah, we're still showing them. Still showing them. Yeah, we mm, good on them. It's still just so frustrating, like talking about sexual discrimination and the gender pay gap, and mm-hmm. it's all still happening. It's not history. It's no present it's now. Yeah, it's exactly. Unbelievable. Exactly. How um, I'm just sick to sick to the, my eye teeth, back eye teeth. Oh, sick to her teeth about it. Yeah. Going to start smoking Horizons and drinking fruit Alexia. <laughs> so that's it. That's the story of the Jobs well, for gonna, Women campaign. Amazing women. I'm going to watch that. I've just put it on my playlist just yeah. then, um, my watch list, and it's only 55 minutes long, so that's an easy watch, everyone. Yeah. We will all watch it. And um, why don't we watch it, T- talk about it next week. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. So that's us for another week. That is us for another week. Thanks for we're listening. We're going to go and have a float today and we we're going to wash our dogs. We- Big day today. Big day in the lives of Annie Big and Evie. Day. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll Bye. see you. Thanks we'll, for listening. We'll, we'll, you, you'll, what? Bye. <laughs>